month, month and a half later, and both legs, legs were gone, and uh, I still hadn't, I didn't know what I'd had. A Paralympian making his second trip to the Games opens up on his story of tragedy and triumph. The more time goes by, the more comfortable I am saying there's, the things that, that are broken can be fixed, and, and having been broken and fixed, they'll be better for the, better for the repair. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Paralympian rower and canoeer Blake Haxton joins the pod as he's only weeks away from heading off to Tokyo. He breaks down overcoming a life-changing diagnosis, how a year of COVID is impacting his events, and how through everything that's happened in his life, he still works to get better every single day, both personally and athletically. Here's Columbus native Blake Haxton. First off for you, you know, what's it like to be doing this all over again and uh, representing your country? Uh, it's great. I mean, obviously, I think for uh, myself and everyone else, it's a lot different than we're used to. Um, you know, from four, obviously, a lot's happened in five years. So, uh, you know, a lot of lot of adjustments. For me, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, you know, rowing a single and the and just the canoe that they, uh, you know, I kind of get to set my own schedule and do my own thing. So, training in isolation is really what I do all the time anyway. Uh, so that that hasn't been a huge adjustment. But it's exciting to get to go go compete. And even you know, a year ago, if, if you'd asked me, I really didn't think they were going to happen at all. Um, I would have bet that they would be canceled. But it seems like we're going to go through with them. So um, hopefully, we get to go compete here. You know, let, let's let's take it back. We know you, you competed 2016. You're going to be competing in 2020 slash 2021 for the Paralympics. You know, for you and your fellow athletes, I know you talked about for you. You know, you can get out and row you kind of in the solo event, but there still has to be kind of a, a mindset change as an athlete to be building yourself up for a moment that just gets extended for another year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's a huge ability to adapt and, and adjust. And I think, I think that's going to have a huge impact on placing at the games. Right. I mean, I, I think this is going to be very much a story of who adjusted the best, not necessarily who's the best you know, athlete or who's the best, uh, the you know, best rower or paddler in some objective sense. So I think the adjustment's going to be a huge part of this. I've talked to the other rowers that are in the team boats, the two, four, eight person boats. That's been a huge part of it. Uh, you know, getting people in the right place, getting, getting together, um, who's been, you know, who's got the feel. And there's, there's so much more of a feel to that, that you really have to be in the boat to get used to it. Um, I, I, I watch how some of this goes because I think it I think it should have to be like nothing we've ever seen so let's talk about your story in particular you know I, I've been reading up on you and how you know you were <laughs> and, and how you know going through high school you're you know, an athlete and then boom one day your calf starts hurting and your life completely revolves I know you do a lot of talking about this and the inspirational stuff so take us through those few months, what you do remember and how that changed you over time. Yeah, sure. So, um, as you said, you know, during my, my high school, I think was pretty average for me, um, here in Columbus, just a pretty average kid. I did, I was on the rowing team and loved that. But, uh, you know, other than that, thought I was going through a pretty normal, normal trajectory. I was getting ready to go off to college. And then March of my senior year, my calf starts to hurt. And, you know, next day I'm in the hospital and day after that I'm in the ICU. And then day after that I was in a coma. And just like that, I still had no idea what was going on. I was totally out of it at this point. 
And uh, kind of a long story short, I woke up a month, month and a half later, and both legs legs were gone. And uh, I still hadn't, I didn't know what I'd had. Uh, I was just, I was as surprised as anything. And then, uh, and then of course, I had it explained to me and they learned the whole process that what I had contracted was called necrotizing fasciitis, which is more commonly called the flesh eating disease. And it really is about as bad as it sounds. It pretty much kills whatever it gets a hold of. And the real treatment is amputation. Um, and so that was what I'd been fighting for, for about a month. No idea how I got it. No idea where I picked it up. Can't remember having a break in the skin or anything like that. And sometimes that happens. We just don't know. Um, but anyway, woke up, was in this condition. Um, spent about another month in the ICU, another month after that in a rehab hospital, just kind of getting my strength back. And then went home and tried to piece together, you know, figure out what the future was going to look like. Um, so I remember, I remember the last couple months of that hospital stayed pretty well. And then I remember going home uh, pretty well. And I'd applied to Ohio State in high school. Wasn't sure I'd go there, but it was a great option, great school. I knew I wanted to study business or economics, something like that, um, which I applied for and, and done and ended up doing that at Ohio State. Loved it. It was a great fit. Um, very, I, I feel very fortunate that I was in the right place at the right time, that even still being in really pretty bad physical shape, um, was able to able to make the school and uh, and study and do something I wanted, and then I really improved a lot over college. It took me longer to recover than I expected. So when I started as a freshman, I didn't realize how bad shape I was still in, and and then I just kept recovering. So. You know, my ability to forecast my own future has never been that good. Um, but then, as you say, I finished undergrad at Ohio State and then uh, I enrolled in law school at Ohio State, too. I thought I wanted to go the law route and it was great. I learned a lot. Um, I really, you know, it, it, it was great for me in a lot of ways. Became a much better writer, I think. And it was skills, but I figured I didn't want to practice law. So uh, at the end of law school, I went back into finance. I uh, got a job here at uh, where I'm sitting now at Diamond Hill Capital Management. And I'm an investment analyst uh, working on working on security valuation for them. So it's been a wild ride, uh, wild ride for sure. <laughs> Side note, so you're one of those who went to law school to figure out that you didn't want to do law? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You, you summarized that correctly. You know, and it is, I should say, in my own defense, the, uh, you know, I, I could have been an attorney. You know, I, I say I could, of course I could have been an attorney. I liked it. Um, you know, I thought I always wanted to do like tax law or corporate law or something like that. Um, I know that's not a very common thing people want to do, but I thought it would fit my personality. But one of the really what did it was I had, I had an internship uh, here at our firm, actually, between undergrad and college. And it was in finance and it was, it was in, and I'd never really been exposed. You're like, you know, you study finance in college, you don't really know what it's all about. And we're an, we're an investment firm. And I really got into value investing and figured out what it was all about and what we were trying to do and how we're trying to generate returns. And I, I went off to law school thinking, well, if, if this is a job you can do, why would you do anything else? This is this is it. So I went off to law school. I say it was very helpful for me. I'm glad I did it. But right from the beginning and that, I kind of had the, the bug of, okay, I, I can learn a lot about the world here, but I want to go back and do this as a career. Yeah, take taking advantage of that internship. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah, that was it. So there's been a lot of talk in athletics, especially over the last two, three, four years about mental health. And you went through something so traumatic, 18 years old, you know, the, the, there's no telling, you know, what somebody at that age, how they're going to come out of something that you went through. So for you and, you know, people who will listen to this podcast, people who will, will see your story, how did you maintain that mental strength going through all of that and still going through your formative years of college 
and get to where you are now where you're going to go compete in your second Paralympics? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I and this not to uh, a lot of luck, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I had a lot of help and a lot of things broke my way that made it easier. Um, like I say, things that maybe sound trivial and replay. You know, I, I was in the Ohio State hospitals because that's the closest hospital in my house. That's why I only live about 10 minutes away um, when I got sick. And so the transition from getting sick back home to school was actually really easy. It wasn't that heavy of a lift. And that opportunity was probably one of the only opportunities I could have taken. So there were things that just worked out that allowed me to kind of stay engaged and stay in the game. Um, but, you know, and thank you for the compliment. That's it's very kind of you to characterize the, uh, the arc of my story in that way. But, uh, but there were a lot of down days. I mean, there were plenty of hard things. I mean, I don't I'm not really comfortable sitting like uh, I'm not really comfortable sitting here acting like I'm you know, got it figured out or that I, I got the, the mental piece right because there were just as many days I didn't as as I did. Um, but I think something that w- I'll just say one thing I learned and something that was really good for me uh, in the long run, I think, after getting sick was when I was still in the hospital and I was still in really bad shape, like just little, you know, forget the mental and the future. I was just in a lot of physical pain and there wasn't a lot to do about that other than, you know, when you have an amputation, you got to wait for it to heal. And there's all the other things going on. And I, I remember thinking very directly Okay, I can either think about how much this hurts or I can think about how much I improved it. And and I would go back and forth. You know, I didn't I never aced that test, so to speak, but there were days when I remember laying I, remember I had my iPod back when I iPods were a thing and I would put on like a playlist or whatever and try and fall asleep and if I skipped songs I'd known I'd fall asleep. And I remember waking up and seeing that and thinking, "Oh wow, I'm I'm 7 minutes and 30 seconds better." Yes, that's a good thing. Like, and that was a relief. Saying that was seven minutes and thirty seconds of healing I got, not not pain I was in. And then you know you can you can you can stack that on top of itself, and that compounds, and that became a day, became a week, became a month. And I say that helps me in the long run because there are even things now where, you know, bad workout, long day, whatever the case may be. Okay, did I did I get better today, or did did I just try and avoid the pain? And to the extent I got better, that's pretty good. And if you stack enough days in a row where you get better, you can go you can go pretty far. Um, I think it's one of the great things about rowing. Of all the sports I've played, and I'm like I'm I'm mediocre at most every athletic endeavor. Always have been. That's not false humility. I got plenty of witnesses, I'm, but I'm good at the rowing. I think. And I think one of the reasons is I really enjoy that process of compounding. And I think rowing is one of the best sports for return on investment. Every, like what you put in, it sounds cliche, but what you put into it's what you get out of it. You know, the amount of effort you put in, it'll give back to you. And I really like that sort of self-reinforcing process of the improvement compounds over time. And, and you can really go as far as you want to in that respect. So getting getting sick everything that happened to me i do think reinforced that lesson in my mind and made it easier to stick with it through quarantine through these long lead times of things going you know that we, we really can't anticipate through just unexpected you know 2020 right like you know everything that happened as surprising as everything was you know you try and reduce it back to what you can control go one day at a time and you can go an awfully long way doing that 
fast forward to now, your training. Take us behind a day for you, because obviously you still have a day job. You're there right now, but we're, you know, um, you know, 77 days today. But when people listen to the podcast, it might be 70 days, might be 65 days. So what, what's the next few months look like for you before you head off to Tokyo? Yeah, for sure. So right now I'm in a pretty regimented schedule. I think I, I try and do two days or not try to two days. Um, you know, one's inside either on the rowing machine or uh, in the weight room. And then another's outside in one of the boats, uh, either the canoe or the kayak and, or, or excuse me, either the canoe or the single. And um, it's a pretty, I kind of like this phase of training because we're kind of ramping up. We're really getting into, into some of the speed work. Um, you know, they're very different events. Rowing's a mile and a quarter and canoeing is uh, 200 meters. So you got to kind of meet in the middle and for the training. And this last, this last two month window is really important for the sprinting. You got to build the, the, the base of your fitness over time for the rowing, but to really hone in here. So it's, it's six days a week, twice a day, getting after it. Um, you know, the, the firm here has been great. I mean, we're not really back in the office full time, everybody. Uh, but I say I'm here today and we're going to be shifting back this direction. Uh, it's been easy for me to get, get the right amount of water time and the right amount of gym time, the right amount of sleep and still get the work done. Uh, I don't do much else. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the whole day. It's uh, it's wake up, work out, uh, you know, get, get in front of the computer and then um, hit the river at night. And that's about it. But, uh, but it's, it's great. I love it. I mean, I get to do two things that I love both of them and they're both fulfilling and meaningful to me. Uh, and I get to do them with great people too. The team around me that helps me row and paddle is awesome. Uh, most of my old high school buddies that just just kind of stuck around me and supported me. And we got a great team here at, here at Diamond Hill too. So um, all top to bottom, just uh, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having great days right now, better than I deserve. <laughs> Oh, that's so awesome to hear about that. And let's touch on your team a little bit. You know, no Olympian out there will tell you they got to wherever they are alone. There's always some kind of support group with them, whether that be parents, uh, friends that you mentioned. So how do they uh, support you? How do they get you where you need to go and to hopefully get you up on that top step with a gold medal? Hey, yeah, there we go. That'd be something. Yeah. I mean, I think that's absolutely right. None of us, none of us have ended up here without a whole lot of people uh, along the way. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is they just want to see me succeed. You know, these are good friends of mine. A lot of them I made on the rowing team in high school, actually. So they're familiar with what I'm doing. They know they, they, they're on the sport. They, they know what it takes. Uh, but, you know, I can't carry my own boat. I can't get it off the rack and into the water and off the dock. So they're happy to show up and take me out and they get in the coach's boat, and follow me around and um, make sure I'm getting after it and then uh, and then help me out. So. I couldn't have done any of it without him. I mean, just couldn't have, it, it's that simple. Literally couldn't have gotten the job done. Um, a lot of the training is solitary, you know, all the, all the rowing machine work, all the weightlifting, that's all me, but um, it's great having him around. I mean, and having, you know, on the times we've succeeded, and I'll, I will say I've, I've lost a lot more than I've won. So it's not, it's not all that common, but it's so much better to succeed at being part of a team than, than on your own. That's not, you know, it's just not as, not as rewarding. I don't think, um, yeah, I think part of the fun of that is remembering it when it's over and remembering individual success is not as much fun as having someone to remember it with. So that's been pretty cool. And, and with that, you know, I got a couple more questions for you. I guess what are your expect, expectations uh, for Tokyo for yourself and both of your events? Ooh, great question. Um, you know, I'm a little more optimistic in the canoe than in rowing. I've been, I haven't been doing the canoe for nearly as long, but given my recent, just where I've stacked up recently, um, I think my odds are a little better in the canoe. Um, I think I'll be, I hope, knock on, knock on wood over here, I think I'll be in the medal round for canoe and 
if I have a great, it's the type of, I mean, it's, there's a lot of any given Sunday type thing in, in the canoe race. It's so short, anything can happen. Um, but I think if I, I think it's the type of thing where if I have a great race and some other people don't, then I could be a threat. Um, rowing, it really isn't that way. It's just so much longer that it generally, the, the, the placing is a little more determined. There, there aren't as many surprises. Um, if I could be, you know, top seven, top eight, I'd be pretty happy with that um, going into it. But, you know, like you mentioned earlier, after 2020, you don't really know where anybody is. So um, anything could happen. Anything could happen. And, you know, kind of segues me to my last question. And anything could happen, you know, with what happened to you in your life. You know, give people that parting shot of hope because I'm sure you've had some sleepless nights in your past and those moments where why did this happen to me? But here you are on one of the biggest stages out there on the entire planet. You know, give people that, you know, that, that parting shot of, uh, you know, you can do it too. Yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll do my best. You know, I, I, I don't have a great argument for why this is true, but I found it to be true in so many cases that things can be going really well and then they'll break and then they can recover. And there's something, there's something in the recovery that is better for having been broken at some point than if it had never been broken at all. And I don't know how to rationalize that exactly. I, that's not the answer I used to, I used to give the answer I used to give might've just been, well, you don't know what's going to happen. So keep your head up and control what you can. But the more time goes by, the more comfortable I am saying there's, the things that, that are broken can be fixed and, and having been broken and fixed, they'll be better for the better for the repair. And, and I'm guessing you consider yourself fixed or are you still a work in progress in your opinion? No, 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 no. I've, I've got so many things wrong with me. <laughs> no, no, no. The, uh, I mean, I've, I've gotten to learn a lot and I've gotten to hopefully gotten to mature a lot. I mean, I excites me is even in, even in sports, I think I'm still getting better and you every day and and that's you know just seeing how far we can come how quickly is is pretty exciting because like you say it's awfully hard especially in a year like 2020 2021 just kind of get stuck in a moment and and forget that this is going to pass and that once it passes we'll we'll come out the other end uh probably a little tougher you know if nothing else and and there's something there's something pretty great about that um there's something great about overcoming that so uh, yeah, I would tell people just just try and take it one day at a time, and, um, and and you know don't don't get too caught up in negative forecasts of the future, because man, forecasting is just that's a loser's game if ever there was one. Um, you know, I, Lord knows I've had my problems with it, and, and you can get really wrapped up in a future that never never happens. Blake Axton, thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Hey, Steve, thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Alberton. Thanks for listening. We've all seen it. That check engine light in our car. Do I check it now? Check it later? Can I keep driving? That one light doesn't tell you what you need to know. And if you get your weather from a symbol on your phone, you're not getting the full story. WLWT Weather has the only certified most accurate forecast in Cincinnati. It's where you get the difference-making details. You'll know exactly what to expect and when, so you can plan your day. WLWT Weather, Cincinnati's certified most accurate forecast.